Welcome to Lighthouse Church's Sermon Podcast. We pray you are blessed and encouraged with today's message. I'm starting a new series. I ended the last series on the 12th. If you want to listen to that, it's online. I'm starting a new series today called Living the Resurrected Life. It's a three-part series that will culminate on Easter morning. How many people know that Jesus' resurrection impacted more than just those people at that time? It impacts us, even us to this day. It's powerful. So I'm going to give you a pick real quick and give you just a quick definition of what it says in the dictionary. And I, I know it's so much more than this, but resurrection defined in the dictionary says to revive, to revive, to restore, to rebuild, or reconstruct. When you resurrect something, you basically bring it back to life, Right? To resurrect something is to try to bring it back to its original form. But when we think in terms of Christianity, we know it means so much more. We're talking about Christ's resurrection and him being raised from the dead on the third day. We know that that means so much more to us. And so the, la- the next couple of weeks, today, uh, next week, Palm Sunday, and then Easter Sunday, I'm going to be talking about it, how it impacts us, empowers us, and transforms us. I'm going to ask you a question, and uh, feel free to yell out, I'll tell you if you're wrong, but how many people were raised from the dead in the Bible? How many? I did not know this, by the way. Three? Six? Anybody else? Two? Ten. Ten people were raised from the dead. Ten people. Uh, and if you want to look it up, look it up. It goes back in the Old Testament. Remember when that they were having that funeral and they threw the dead body into the bones of Elisha and he was raised from the dead, right? There's several different instances that you haven't thought about. Remember when... Um, who was it? Uh, was it Elijah that laid his body on the young boy to bring him back to life? There's several different examples. So anyway, but this morning I want to talk about the resurrection of Lazarus. That's what I'm going to focus on this morning. Now to give you a little backstory, because we're not going to read the entire chapter because there's a lot of good information there, but I know you as students of the word will probably read it yourself or already know about it. But in case you didn't know, um, in case you didn't know this, and it's found in John chapter 11, you can turn there because we're going to be in there in a second. Jesus was very good friends with Lazarus, very good friends. He was also very good friends with John chapter 11. He was very good friends with Martha and Mary, and he was very good friends with Lazarus, so much so that when he heard Lazarus had passed away that he wept. It's the shortest scripture in the Bible. You ever hear it? Jesus wept, and it's in reference to this. He was very, very close to them. Uh, The Bible says he would stay with them from time to time. He would actually minister out of his home and invite people over, and he would minister and talk to them. That's pretty cool. How many people believe that's pretty cool, right? So he was very, very close to this family. This family provided and supported, supported him in many, many different ways. Now, as he's away on one of his ministry trips, they find out that he is sick, And word gets to him, the sisters send word to him to come quickly because Lazarus is sick and he's about ready to die. What is Jesus' response? If you know the story, what happens? He says, well, I'm going to stay back for a little bit. And they're like, "Uh, why aren't you going? He's going to die. And he makes the comment, this is going to be for the glory of God, right? And so he purposely stayed back to let him die, which is really bizarre, right? It's really a bizarre story. We're going to read this together. So Jesus Once more deeply moved, and the reason it's saying once more is because I already told you earlier in this chapter, he wept, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. 
But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor. Doesn't that make sense, right? He's been in the tomb for four days. He's probably decomposing, right? It's pretty graphic. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if what you believe, you will see what? The glory of God. So what did they do? They responded. They took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up, looked up and said, now this next set of scripture, again, I love, if you could ever just read the Bible, just read it like normal. Don't like make it bigger than it is. It's the word of God. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit, but it's very much real life. Listen to this. Jesus goes, he goes, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know or knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the people to benefit the people standing around. So he's literally praying out loud saying, listen, this deal is already done. This deal is already done, but I'm going to pray so those around understand how it works. Okay, that was a free little gift for you. Okay, ready? He goes, I know that you hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. Understand benefit. It benefits them for him to hear, that, is, that they may believe that you sent me. So it was verification to prove that he was the Son of God. It was, again, for the glory of God. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud, loud voice, Lazarus, come out. You've heard it said, Lazarus, come forth, right? You, you know, Easter stories and all the other things that happened. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Face. Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence in the house today. We thank you for your anointing that's here to break the yoke. We thank you that we're going to elevate the word of God because that brings power, it brings, uh, breaks the yoke, it breaks all these different things, Lord. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. Anoint your servant, anoint the hearts of the people to receive to hear. Father, I pray for great change in this house today. Can I believe for that, Lord? Yes. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this story of Lazarus being resurrected is first and foremost, catch this, is first and foremost a, a foreshadowing of Jesus' death and resurrection. So you have to understand that. That is one of the main, uh, if I could say that, main plots of the story for us to understand. But secondly, and you need to get this, it reveals also the transformation, I believe, and I'm going to show you, of us coming from being dead to alive in Christ. It reveals some of the hidden truths that I'm going to speak on today that I'm going to continue to speak on the next couple weeks. Today's is very basic. It's a very basic message, but it's powerful, especially for those that are struggling with their belief or maybe have not yet believed, okay? So here we go. We're going to start right into it. Steps of transformation. Number one, take away the stone. Isn't that like, so revelation. That's so much revelation. But there's a point here I want you to get. The first thing that needed to take place in order for Lazarus to be resurrected was what? The stone need to be removed. Now, notice he did not bring him back to life first. He first had them remove the stone. Why is that important? Catch this. Every person that is a non-Christian that has ever come to the Lord had obstacles that were keeping them from coming to know the Lord, come on, that needed to be removed first. There's obstacles in the path of us. If you go back, I can look at my salvation experience, and I remember I was being ministered to. My older sister was the one that really led me to the Lord, not you know specifically, but she was the one that was ministering to me almost every single day, and I'd roll my eyes. Anybody else do that? You need to, you know, you need Jesus. I'm like, whatever, you religious freak. 
Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Before you got saved, you're sitting there and you're like, this is crazy. You know, I told you the first time I went to the church where they're raising their hands, I thought somebody had a gun. I mean, like, I'm a Catholic boy. I didn't know what was going on. What she was doing, and I look back for those six months that she was witnessing to me, is she was removing obstacles. She would say, well, you need to accept Jesus. Why do I need to accept Jesus? Here's a good one. If Jesus is such this great God, why does innocent people get hurt? Every one of you have heard that question, I guarantee you, if you've ever talked about the Lord. And you better have an answer for it. That's removing an obstacle. And little by little, and sometimes, honestly, it's okay to say, I don't know. Some things we're not going to know until heaven. But literally, your witnessing isn't just something like this. Ready? It isn't just like, you need Jesus. Repent, you sinner, you're going to hell. That probably is not going to work. I call, you know what I call that? Combative evangelism. My club's bigger than yours, and I'm going to beat you into salvation. Anybody hear what I'm saying? What we need to do is we have to remove the obstacles. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, I'm going to put this up because I think I brought it, I brought it here. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, The God of this world, the God of this age, has blinded the mind of unbelievers. There's literally a veil. I look at it like this. There's like a key that only fits the, the, their heart's door. And you have to figure out what that is. You've got to remove all the obstacles so that key fits so that they can come to know the Lord. You can't just say God is good because in their life they don't know what that even means. Like I'm, people that are first coming to church like the first time in their life, Let's worship God. They're like, what are you, a cult? What does that mean? And you'll hear me sometimes. I'm like, hey, you know what? Let's do some really cool music. And some of you, you know, religious that have been Christian a long time, well, it's not music that offends me. Well, get over it. Because to a non-Christian, see, we've been a Christian so long that we forget sometimes that people have no clue what we're talking. It's like we're speaking Chinese. Let's bring our hearts together as one and lift up the king of all kings. They're like, what is going on? They have no idea. So our job is to get rid of those obstacles, to make it, if I could say this a little more, normal, right? It's still the same today. Listen, all of it, though, is done by faith. you got to catch this. It's by faith. Everyone unsaved has obstacles, but this is our responsibility. Now, let's be clear. I'm going to say it's really clear. You need to get this. We don't save anybody. We don't have that ability to save anybody, but we can lead people there. We can create a path. Did you know that um, John the Baptist said, I will prepare the way of the Lord. I'm going to make straight the paths of our Savior. Guess what we do the same way when we're ministering to people, when we're, when we're leading people to the Lord? We're making the path straight. We're making it so it doesn't look so crazy. Come on, I've said it a hundred times. It takes a lot of courage to come through the church, front door of a church, especially one you've never visited before, especially when you might have a little bit of a reputation of being crazy. It's not me. It's you guys. I'm as normal as they come. I'm going to give you another scripture. It's important. I've heard Jim quote this many times. Romans 10. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him unless they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? It's just saying, basically, how is anybody ever going to get saved unless someone steps up to the plate and removes the obstacles, removes the things that are hindering us? from receiving Jesus. Now, I want to tell you, I liken it to this. As I was preparing my sermon, I went back to when I was about 16 years old, and I worked for a farmer. And as soon as I say her name, you're going to know who I'm talking about. I'm 16, and this lady's a frail, pretty small, frail lady. She was frail. And we're, we, she, she hired me. She goes, Sean, I need some people to pick rock for me. I'm like, this is going to be an easy summer job. 
She looks like she's 80 and about ready to keel over. No, seriously, she was old looking. Oh, my gosh, I lasted three days. She did not believe in water breaks. She didn't believe in complaining. She didn't believe in stopping. She was a machine. And I want to tell you, for three days, from morning to night, we picked rock. Of course, first of all, I didn't know what picking rock was. I thought, you know, pick up these little rocks, put them in there. No, rocks, rocks. And the worst thing is she decided at some point that this is going to become a game for her, an enjoyment for her. She's sitting on the tractor knowing I can't pick that rock up. And she has like, a, you know, one of those scoop, you know, so she could have picked. Come on, little harder, son. Pick that up. Just, oh. But I finally, after three days, I couldn't have it. I, I'm like, this, you can give me $100 an hour. This ain't enough money. I hurt all over. But I remember her telling me, she goes, I'm like, why are we doing this? She goes, you don't understand. If you don't remove these rocks, we're going to damage the equipment that sows the seed, and we're also going to inhibit the growth that takes place after the seed is planted. Remember the, you know, the parable about the seed being sown in rocky soil? And I realized that as I was thinking about this sermon, I was thinking, that's exactly what we do. We pick rocks in people's lives. We get rid of the things that would keep the seed from growing and maturing. Amen? All right. So how do we do this? I'm going to give you a couple, <laughs> couple quick ways of how do we remove obstacles. Very, very simple. First thing and last thing, always pray. If you're praying for somebody unsaved and they haven't um, come to know the Lord yet, keep praying. If, you're not, if you stop praying, pray again. Pray, 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 and pray some more, okay? Second one, this is important. Love them unconditionally. See, what happens as Christians, now catch this, is after we become a Christian and we kind of get our lives in order a little bit, we sometimes forget how bad we were. We forget what we were like. We were pretty good sinners, we were all good sinners, weren't we? We Before the Lord, we aren't very good people. After the Lord, he began to do work on us. And sometimes we forget what that looks like. We forget that um, we were as bad, if not worse. So what do we do? We love people unconditionally, unconditional, without conditions. We share with them the heart of God through his word. That's important. Be led by the Spirit to know what to say. And when to say it, don't say it all the time or you're going to turn them off. Don't beat your heads, beat the, your children's head. If they don't know the Lord, don't beat them over the head with the word of God constantly. It's going to turn them off. Wait for the Holy Spirit to give avenue, and you'll know when that takes place. You'll sense it and then plant the seed. Amen. Again, don't judge them in their current state. It's easy to do that, but don't judge them in their current state. How many people know the transforming power of God changes people? Let God change them. It's not your job. Amen. Here. And here's a crazy thought. Why don't we do what Jesus did? Invite them over for dinner. Show them that you're normal. Invite people over to your house. Show, Jesus did that. He ate with sinners and showed them that he was normal. Right? It's amazing what happens when people start seeing you for who you really are, and they're like, wow, this, this, this person's a Christian, and, and they're not judging me, and they're loving me, and they're caring for me, and they're welcoming me, and they're, and they're being kind. It's amazing how much it makes a difference. That's why, and, and this might step on some people's toes, but that's why I don't think like the street corner evangelism is, is working like maybe it did in the past. Because I think sitting there shouting that people are going to hell, I think just brings a greater divide. Can I, can I be honest with you? I'm going to be completely honest. I think most people know that already in some shape or form. At least they know that something's missing in their life. And so they don't really need a, you know, first priority mailing that they're going to hell. 
What they need is to know there's a lifeline that can change their life. Hey, I got, I got something to tell you. This is really, really good. This is really, really good. All right. The second one, I've already mentioned it real briefly. It requires faith. It requires faith. These are steps of transformation. Ready? It requires faith. This seems obvious, right? Everything in our walk should require faith. But how many times, if we were to be honest and sit right here and say, when was the last time we actually used our faith? And I realize every morning getting up, you're using your faith. Every time you go to work, you're using your faith, paying your bills. But I'm talking about really exerting your faith, right? It seems obvious, but I'm amazed at how many times we believe God is able until fill in the blank. How about this? Three months go by and nothing. I believe God is able. I believe God can do it. I'm just believing God. Three months later, you're like, you know what? I'm done. How about this? The situation turns from bad to worse. Can I be honest with you? If you've been a Christian for any period of time, you'll notice when you pray for a situation, almost always it gets worse. I mean, Mindy and I are like this. We have prayer and fasting in this church. We look at each other and go, okay, hell week, right? Why? Because hell is breaking loose. So usually hell's like this. It's got a hold on you. When you start praying and fasting, it breaks loose. And it's causing all kinds of chaos in your mind and in your situation. I guarantee some of you, I'm prophesying to somebody this morning, that you've made some steps recently to try to make things better and things have gotten worse. I say praise the Lord because hell's breaking loose off of you guys. Sometimes we feel like when we pray immediately we should. No, I want to tell you right now, we keep praying when things get worse, you keep pushing through. Though I walk through the, shadow, through the valley of the shadow of death, though I walk what? Through. I've said this before. Set up a tent. Don't build a house. This is, this is a good one. I've seen this happen. This person's on my heart. I want to see him receive Jesus Christ. And I'm like, you know, the people we're praying for, this person I'm praying for, and all of a sudden they get more rebellious. They become more sinful. And I'm like, wow, this thing isn't working. And I want to tell you something. As your pastor, y'all need to hear this. There are thoughts that when that happens that I'm thinking, maybe I shouldn't be praying. Maybe I'm the only one. But when I start praying for a situation and it starts going crazy and they get more rebellious and they start sinning more, I'm like, man, maybe I should just leave this thing alone. Can Can I give you something that's probably the greatest jewel I can give you this morning? If you're going through hell right now, the only reason you ever go through hell when you're a Christian is because breakthrough is right on the other side. The devil never raises his ugly, nasty head unless he knows you're about ready to see something big. So he puts up the biggest fight right before the biggest breakthrough every time. So if you look and see craziness in your life and you're believing for something, I'm telling you, somebody came to me and said, man, I've had one crazy week. I said, get ready for promotion. What are you talking about? It doesn't look like it. That's it. That's it. The devil wants to cloud your mind. He wants to get you so discouraged. He wants you to start confessing negativity because if he can do that, guess what? He wins. But in the craziness, the chaos, if you keep pushing through, keep walking, keep declaring, keep praying, you will see breakthrough. So let's read it again. Take away the stone, Jesus said. How many times we respond just like Martha? But Lord... How many people know what I'm talking about? That's it's true. Gideon, but Lord, I come from the least. Saul, but Lord. David, but Lord. The sister of the dead. By this time, he gonna be stinking. 
For he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that what? If you believe. I want, I want you to do this. Ready? Ready? Put your hand out like this. It's always amazing that y'all pretty much do this. Go like this. You know what you're doing? You're wiping off your believer. Some of your believers are so dusty, so dirty. They've been sitting there not being used. Do you understand what I'm saying now? They've just been dormant. Come on, shake them off, get the dust off of it, and start believing. Start using your believer. If you believe, you'll see the glory of God. Notice here the response to Jesus' command. Jesus, his body is decomposing for day, four days. He's got a stinketh. They responded what? Out of the flesh, out of doubt and fear, out of, listen, the obvious. Can I be honest? Your situation is obviously crazy, but that's not the end result. Somebody in faith with your believer resurrected, look at your situation and go, it is crazy, but I believe this is what God has said. You understand, I believe I believe, and you know what I'm talking about. I, I, I can pour it to some of you people. I believe, I'm a believer in what God can do in your lives. And I'm telling you, I've trained myself that when the hell breaks loose, I'm like, we're getting close. Because the devil knows i got to use all my resources at the very end to try to stop this thing from breaking through. I'm going to use everything I can. And most of the time, it's just smoke and mirrors. Jesus responds. Listen, immediately he responds and says what? Redirect your focus back to faith. He goes, if you believe, all things are possible for those who only believe. Only believe. How many people know only believing could be the hardest thing you ever do? When, when everything is bad, your relationships are bad, your kids are maybe doing things they shouldn't be doing, your, your marriage is a wreck, your health is a wreck. How many people know only believing could be the hardest thing you ever do? The devil would love for you to lose faith, to have you quit praying. But I'm here to tell you this morning, there's no one too far that God cannot reach. I'm going to say it again, no one is too far. There's no person too bound that God cannot impact. We have to, have to believe. We have to. I don't have biblical proof for this, but this is my opinion. I believe, you know, the scripture is very clear that he has foreordained things for us to do. The Bible says things that he's predestined for us to do, works, good works. We know that, right? I believe equally so there's preordained people that we're supposed to lead to the Lord. They literally have your name on them. And our obedience and our faith prepares the way. Can I say something to you this morning? A four-day-old dead body is pretty dead, I would venture to say your situation isn't that bad. Number three, the promise is the glory of God. Verse 40, then Jesus said, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Say it again. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you if you believe? And then I love this. He doesn't say just if you'll believe. He goes, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. What's interesting here is this. Jesus isn't speaking to the dead man. He's speaking to those that are observing, those that are taking part, if I could say it like that. The guy's still dead. He's saying, I, come on, if you're raised from dead, obviously that person's seeing the glory of God. But he's saying, I'm talking to all you that are about ready to witness this, get ready to see the glory of God. There's no greater example of the glory of God than a life surrendered to Jesus. 
If you're taking notes, write this down. The greatest miracle we'll ever witness is not literally someone being raised from the dead. It's not. It's the resurrection power that takes place in someone's heart when they come to know Jesus. The greatest miracle we'll ever see. Some of us like, well, I haven't seen any miracles. Really? I've seen hundreds, and they're awesome. Now, I, now I know some of you are like, well, I've known this person, and they're no longer following the Lord. You know what they're called? They're called prodigals. Pray them back. Pray them back. We never got, they're never too far, never too bound. Again, go back to before you're saved and where you are now, and that is one of the greatest miracles you will ever see. I know some of your testimonies. I know my testimony. God is good. It's the greatest miracle you will ever witness is a life transformed by the power of God. There's no greater example of the divinity of Jesus than his transforming power in a person's life. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, he was declaring his divinity, that he was the son of God. The power that was, res- that was coming through him is, uh, that resurrected Lazarus. There's no greater example, ready, here it is, here it is, of our ability to bring glory to God than to lead someone to heaven. I love being able to prophesy over people. I love being able to encourage people. But there's nothing better than witnessing somebody coming to know Jesus Christ. You want to bring somebody glory, or you want to bring God glory? I, 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 we say this, you know, jokingly, but it's true. They have a party in heaven every time that happens. They're rejoicing every time that takes place. We can, you want to see the glory? You want to see the glory of God? You want to give God glory? Lead somebody to Jesus. And the last one, grave clothes aren't meant for living people. Verse 43, when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out of there. So picture the scene. Everybody's like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? Don't open up the tomb. It's going to stink. Oh, my gosh, he's opening the tomb. Everybody plug your nose. And then he prays and says, come forth. And I guarantee you, for that few moments, everybody's like, hmm. Now, see, you don't understand. No one had ever been risen raised from the dead under Jesus' ministry. He'd healed eyes and all these other things, but he never raised someone from the dead. So this was new. This was new. This was a new miracle. So he goes, come forth. Next thing you know. Now, I had a picture, but I thought maybe it was a little bit too graphic. But basically what they did when they, when they put somebody in the tomb, they were stripped down, birthday suit, and they wrapped them in a little bit of linen and a face cloth. That's it. They weren't like mummies. You ever see like the mummies, like the Egyptian? No, that's not what they did in Bible times. They just basically covered them with a linen, some linen cloths, and they covered their face, and that's it. So when he came out, he probably came out in all his glory. He goes, the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face, and Jesus said, take the grave clothes off and let him go. You got to catch this. This is powerful. He was naked. And and Jesus is asking them to take the grave clothes off. Can I tell you, it wasn't exposing him. It was showing that he was a new creation, a new creature, a new birth. It was a foreshadowing of what Jesus was going to do in our lives. How many people, oh, this is good. How many people know, what did Adam and Eve wear in the garden before they sinned? It was only after they sinned that they tried to cover themselves. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Jesus, he is a what? New creation. What? The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, I want you to look at this. This is important. The word passed away in the original Greek is, is pa-rer-ko-me. 
Parerkome. I just taught you a Greek word. It means, obviously, to pass away or perish. But another meaning for it is this, to go past. Now catch this. This is beautiful. Ready? Watch. It is an act of moving forward past what has passed away. This is important. It is time once and for all, and I'm speaking to all believers in this place, for us to leave our tombs behind. It's time to check to see if you're still wearing some grave clothes. You need to quit trying to return to the old man. You need to quit being dragged back into the old you. If you're surrounded by things that are dragging you into the old you, then I need, I'm telling you, you need to cut those things off. Somebody shout me down. If somebody's trying to lead you back to the grave, to the tomb, where you were resurrected, you need to tell them, get behind me, Satan. See, we don't understand. When Jesus said that to Peter, he wasn't being mean to Peter. He just said, listen, your thoughts are not my God's, my Father's thoughts. Your thoughts are your thoughts. And if I go by what you're saying, then I'm not going to save the world. So get behind me, Satan. He said that to Peter. It wasn't being mean. He was just trying to say, listen, you don't understand the heart of God. When you're hanging out with people that aren't saved and they're leading you to drink and party and swear and do the things you shouldn't be doing, listen, they don't know any better, but they're dragging you back to the grave. Cut them off. But I thought you said I'm supposed to eat with them. Yeah, not every day. Your tomb is in the rear room mirror. Leave it there. Some of you are still carrying the past. I'm going to be slightly funny, but I'm totally serious when I say this. Ready? I'm here to tell you that that dress don't look that good on you. It ain't doing you no favors. That shirt doesn't make you look skinny. That scarf isn't your color. See, we don't understand. Sometimes we, we leave a little bit of the grave clothes on because they make us comfortable or maybe we're, we're still trying to hide certain things from God. That scarf isn't your color. That hat has got to go. And I'm not even going to touch on, honey, does these pants make me? Yes. You have new garments, new clothes, new gifts, new life, new opportunities, new freedom. Get rid of the old and embrace the new. Look at this scripture. I love it. Ties right in what I'm saying. I have been crucified with Christ. Who has? I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Once you get saved, this is your victory. This is yours. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live what? By faith. In the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. I'm going to say it again because it's worth repeating. I have been crucified with Christ. It is I who no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. The life which I now live here on this world, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. I've heard this said a few times. Well, you don't understand. It's hard for me because I got a really bad past. I got a bad reputation. People want to bring up my past. I've had that happen a few times. You know what I do? I look at them like I have no idea what they're talking about. You know, the Bible says that God doesn't remember when we repent of our sins, they're gone. So how dare does anybody bring that up to me? The fact of the matter is, if you've repented of your sins, where does man get the audacity to try to remind you of them? Your past does not define you. Bury it. Go back, put it in the tomb, and leave it there. You're a new creation. When I was uh, 21 years old, I got in trouble. I, some of you would know this, already know this, but I got in trouble with the law. I stole some stuff, and I was going to go to uh, prison. And God's mercifully worked in my life and spared me. And after about six months, 
I um, was doing really good, and, and I give a lot of the glory to God for your husband, Pastor Norm, because he, he didn't judge me. He loved me unconditionally. He encouraged the giftings in me, and within like two years of coming here, I started leading worship again. I got back on the horse. It was a really ugly time, and if you've ever fallen away, you know what I'm talking about. You like you almost feel like you're a leper. People look at you the wrong way. You know, Even your own family can judge you and view you very, very harshly, and, and so my mom was fantastic. Mom, you know you were fantastic. Just a handful of people that truly treated me still with respect, but Pastor Norm did. And he mined in me what he saw. 30 years ago, he mined in me what he saw, my potential. And I remember after probably at least a year or two years, it was down, actually it was down the road, that I ended up going um, to a church and uh, just visiting a church. They had a special guest speaker. I went, I was encouraged. I knew some of the people there. And I went up to the pastor just to say hi. And he introduced me to the guest speaker two years later as the thief. And I'll never forget how that made me feel, like the scarlet letter, right? Soon as he said that, I turned around, went back to my, and I start, literally, literally, I went back feeling very, very defeated, very defeated. But then this is what the Lord said, and I'm putting it in my words now, but this is exactly what the Lord did to me. You're the new improved model. You're the turbocharged 300 horsepower Four-speed on the floor, Hurst racing shifter, posi rear end, anti-slip all-wheel drive, 18-inch chrome rims, gunmetal paint, and detailed leather interior. You're the titanium version. You're the deluxe version. That's who you are. And I remember when I walked out of that church, I felt so encouraged because I realized that's how God sees me. That's how he sees me. I realized, did I make a mistake? Absolutely. But I realized at that moment that it had been buried. It was in the tomb. It was gone. Now, Cass, I ain't no Pinto. I ain't no Pinto. You know those Pintos that were were covered with rust and they're three different colors? No, no, I'm turbocharged. You don't understand. I'm the deluxe. I'm the titanium version. And some of you think that's arrogance. No, that isn't. That's what you are. But the devil wants to tell you otherwise. He wants to say you're defined by your past. He wants to tell you that you're defined by every mistake, even what you did last night. He wants to bring it up this morning and keep you from the grace and love of God. He's a liar. Put it in your tomb. Leave it there. I'm updated and I'm upgraded. It's, come on, it's history. It's History, it's in the past, it's in the rearview mirror, it's fake news, leave it there. You know, do what Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You know, I've said this before, the Bible says, he's under what? Our feet. So if you can hear them, that means you've taken your foot off his neck. Put him back under your feet. You need a wardrobe change. You're living, but you're still dying. You're walking, but you're still crawling. You're running, but you're still going backwards. Quit walking like you're dead. Quit talking like you're dead. Quit thinking like you're dead. Quit living like you're dead because you're not. If you've accepted Jesus' free gift, God's free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, you are new. All things, old things, all old things have passed away and everything has become new. Quit believing the lie. Your tomb is empty. Stop visiting it. You should not be there. All the junk should. There's three types of people here this morning. Uh, The first type is those that have accepted Jesus, those that are walking in freedom, right? Not perfect. Trying to do the best we can. And then, then there's those that accepted Jesus. And this is important. Catch me. 
but you still go, you, you, you keep going back to your tune. The devil keeps bringing your past up. The devil, and it's causing all kinds of dissension. It's, listen, listen, I'm going to tell you this is prophetic. Your life stinks. I'm here to tell you it's because you still got some grave clothes that are not meant for you. And then quite, quite frankly, there's people here that have never embraced the blessing of God's salvation. This message, this series I'm doing, Living the Resurrected Life, the only way you can live the resurrected life is if you embrace the resurrected life, which means accepting Jesus' salvation, God's salvation. Thanks for listening to today's sermon. For more information on our church, check out our Facebook page or our website, www.lighthousecanton.com. Have a great week.